Welcome to the Injury Investigator Podcast, where we investigate the body and how it creates patterns around your injury. I'm your host, Kim Fisher-Keys, sport massage and injury therapist and bike fitter in the Washington, D.C. area. After working with elite and weekend warrior athletes for 15 years, I'm bringing my well-traveled mosaic background to the world of podcasts. If you want to find out more about my journey from Northern California and neuromuscular re-education to osteopathy in Paris, France, to Florida and NFL players, you can find me at functionalfitbody.com or on Instagram at Kim F. Key. This podcast does not give medical advice. It is intended for listening purposes only. It is not a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Okay. So I'd like to welcome my second ever brave guest today to my podcasting series. Um, He's a cyclist at the bike store where they let me do functional fits on hurt and injured cyclists. (laughs) And I'd like to um, thank you for being here and talking about, ta-da, the void that is concussions. Because why not? Why not jump in and talk about something that's kind of (laughs) hard? Why not? Yep. (laughs) So thank you for being here and kind of sticking through all this technical difficulty stuff. Oh, no. Thanks for having me. Um, so I invited you today because you are probably, you know, the most, the most concussed person I've met outside of football players I work with. I'm so glad to hear that. (laughs) Um, you know, it's one of my, it's one of my biggest accomplishments. (laughs) You're like an average person who's had a lot of concussions. Um, so let's see, you had your most recent concussion how many months ago? Oh, gosh. It's March now, uh, about six months ago. Okay. And I think we started working together about two to three months afterwards. Is that about three months, maybe? Does that seem fair? Because you went to the doctor and had everything kind of checked out and all that stuff. Yep, yep. We, exactly. We started working about three months after... um, that concussion for that injury, but we had previously worked a little bit with a totally different injury back in July. Oh, that's right. Your forearm. Yeah. Yep. Yep. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. That that was a weird one. That, that was when I, I cupped you, right? I used my MFD. Yeah. Okay. Yep. Um, that's right. I had forgotten about the forearm, the forearm love. Yeah, it was, that was weird. I was trying to hit a certain amount of miles in a month, so I was a lot of time in the saddle, and I was just, like, losing strength to my left arm, and it was the weirdest thing, and it was fairly easy for you, so. <laughs> it, was, it was actually, um, just to give to give our listeners a little um, heads up, it was actually a super tight forearm um, I think we stripped it. So like your supinators mm-hmm. and pronators were super glommed up and stuck together. So we had to strip that. I had to give some joint play to the wrist, I believe. Um, I don't think it went up to the shoulder. I think it really was just forearm wrist action. Yep. Yeah. Yep. Okay. Um, okay. So concussion happened after that. You were riding, correct? Yeah. Yes, I was. And you, did you hit the pavement? So, yeah, I did. Um, it was actually just not even an insane ride. I was just commuting, um, which is where sometimes I find some of my injuries 
um, occurs, I guess, when you let your guard down sometimes. I don't know. Um, but it, it was it was at night. Um, I had a light, um, but I guess I'll just leave it at that another person on the trail did not have a light <laughs> while they're traveling on a, on a dark trail, 10 foot trail <laughs> in the pitch dark. So, so please everybody, everybody that has paths around their neighborhood, please and trails, please put lights on. It's super important. I've had so many cyclists get injured because other people, other cyclists and also runners also not putting lights on when you're out at dusk. It's very important. Okay, that's yeah. my that's my um soapbox. Continue. Yeah. Yeah, no, um and actually to make it even weirder, this is my second concussion <laughs> due to someone not having a light on the same trail, which I don't know if that says anything about the trail or me <laughs> or you know Maybe that part maybe uh, the trail needs to put a disclaimer out or something. Yeah, yeah, um, but it, but yeah. it always it's always like because of you know something that diverts your attention for a split second, and then you know it, uh, it if you could have seen a light from you know fifty to a hundred yards away, it would have changed everything. But yeah, that's just kind of the nature of what we deal with in uh, in the cycling in, uh, world. It, yeah, in cycling and in a highly populated area like we live in. That's also true. That's a good point. But, um, yeah. So, just so I can remember, you've had how many concussions total? So, this was my fifth. This was your fifth. Um, okay. This was my fifth in 12 years. Um, my first one was back in 2009 when I was 18, and I'm 30 now. So, yeah. Yeah. So, you're not a stranger. Can you... No. Um, so let's stay. Let's stay. Uh, just for for um, ease sake, let's stay with this one. Can you tell um, tell us what your in like what your repercussions from the concussion was, like what were your symptoms? Right. So I I, I was definitely expecting them because of uh, the frequency of these, but um, every time that. Uh, one takes place it takes me a little longer to bounce back mm. so a, a lot of the things I um, experience it are um, delayed at least a couple days like so by the third day second or third day after an accident um, I'll start to get high sensitivity to light um, headaches um, kind of just like an overall feeling like you're in a shell with these bright lights and sounds going on around you. And from what I can, um, or from what I understand now, that all has to do with your vestibular system. Mm -hmm. um, kind, kind of being overstimulated when it, it can't, I guess the neurons in your brain can't quite handle all of that activity with the state that it's in. Yeah, um, yeah, definitely. Yeah. And I remember we, we were told by a fellow bike person to listen to a podcast on fast talk about concussions. Um, and I do remember, uh, the, the, the fat, the podcast was on fast talk with Dr. Steve Brulio. Um, and he really delineated concussions, um, really kind of simply, which was nice just to have a go-to. So, um, concussions or TBIs, traumatic brain injuries, 
Um, there's kind of it's kind of an umbrella term for all the injuries that occur in the brain. So the so within that traumatic brain injury category, you have the mild traumatic brain injury, which is usually interchangeably used with concussion, which is um, kind of what what we're using it for today, I believe. And then there's the moderate traumatic brain injury and severe, and all of them are usually induced by a biomechanical force, usually a head to the ground or helmet to helmet, like in football. Um, and then there's varying degrees of functional damage to the brain, um, unless it's structural, which is then a severe TBI, right? So did you, what was this one categorized? So I believe they categorized it as uh, moderate. Mm-hmm. Okay. But I, I'm not sure if, um, like, how the, category, how the categorization works when it comes to, like, the immediate effects as far as, like, the, the physical. Like, like, did you black out? Did you lose memory? Versus, like, the effect of it on your vestibular system. Um, mm. Like, they, they kind of separated those two things at the, um, uh, at where I went to get evaluated. Okay, um, so they separated them out in terms of, uh, so vesti- they separate out vestibular vestibular issues from everything else functional? It, yeah, from what I could tell, yes. Okay. Um, but, yeah, um, basically my, my vestibular system was in, like, moderate to severe condition, which I went, I immediately went to physical therapy for, which the physical therapy for that type of thing at, um, our, our local hospital in Nova is amazing. Um, they work with the Washington football team and the um, the Washington Nationals, and their facility is, is awesome. I know. I was a little jealous I couldn't go with you because it was COVID. Uh, you totally should have come. <laughs> I, was like, I really want to tag along and go with you to your doctor's appointment. It's so weird, yeah. isn't it? <laughs> Um, this is my actually, doctor friend. This is my what? No, I just went to the eye doctor, and there were seats for people with caregivers. <gasps> I could have been your caregiver. <laughs> you, you, I, I probably needed one at that time. <laughs> I'm like, I'm sorry, I have to sit next to him. I'm his caregiver. <laughs> <laughs> actually, the person I was seeing, she probably would have been super into it. You know, she's really kind of into this whole progressive way. And new and new studies, um, they all are there um, de- dealing with concussions. I mean, it was amazing to me how it seems that we've only scratched the surface on this kind of thing. So yes, and actually, I was remembering um, when I first started this work, which was about fifteen years ago now. Um, we never talked about concussions. That wasn't even in the literature for like learning about injuries at all. And it wasn't until uh, maybe seven-ish years ago that things really, really started to come out more talking about it. And I remember in the podcast, even a fast talk, they were talking about how they used to just, you know, they'd send a football, the football player would get hit and they'd go to the wrong side part of the sideline to the, you know, opposite team. They would laugh about it and turn them around and send them to the other team. And um, I think one of my football players actually got a concussion while I was seeing you. And I think I, and that was one of the things he did. Like he, he kind of like walked over to the other team <laughs> afterwards and they're like, oh, we need to test you. Right. So now it's like, oh, let's test you. Let's figure this out. Um, so for you, what, so you did the PT and I think we started, 
doing a little bit of work at the end, like after or at the end of your visits? I can't remember. I, I um, they released me from the PT with some take homes. That's right. Um, and I, I mean, I was ready to move on from the PT as well. Like, um, actually, before I even started going, I had my notes from 2017 um, as far as like the. Um, the certain vestibular therapy, um, exercises. So I started doing those on my own and it actually helped a little bit, but then I hit this plateau where I wasn't, I, I couldn't really break through. So that's why I went back to them and they took those same exercises and increased like the, some of the frequency of the movements, which, um, basically was able to elevate my vestibular system more like back to normal. Um, so yeah, I was pretty much, they'd see me through and I was feeling really good. Um, the only thing that was hindering me was, uh, kind of like pushing it on rides. So I'd feel really great on a ride and then I'd try to elevate my, um, output and I basically the, the, the symptoms would just come rushing back. Like it wasn't even a little bit, it was like. Right after the ride, I'd be dizzy and um, kind of disoriented, and um, I wasn't quite sure why. So, and did um, you would do the exercises pre-ride, or you were just kind of doing them on average to keep up a certain level of function, right? And then you would push it on a ride, and everything would kind of fall back. Yep, I would do the exercises every morning. And, I mean, just to give, you know, a little picture of what they're like, it's just like, they're just like rapid eye movements with, um, you know, either following an object in front of you or focusing on an object and having your um, background surroundings moving a lot. It's, it's, it's just like training your vestibular system. So, yeah, I, I, would, I would do those exercises every single morning. So here's where I'm going to insert why um, I think I said something like, oh, maybe I, should, I could work with you a little bit. And part of the issue is calming your nervous system down. Like we have to get you at a base level in order for you to, um, like the exercises to have even more effect, right? I think that's kind of where, that's kind of where I, that took off. I, I believe so, yeah. So... That's when, so two things happened then, like we did cranial fascia work. So I did a lot of like releasing of the tension up in the cranium, um, which I think when we started was you still had some inflammation and uh, it was pretty sore for you. I, I, yeah, I was uh, surprised by all that. I mean, um, I, I don't know why I didn't think that there could be like physical remnants uh, you know like inflammation from this accident months ago but when you started kind of getting into yeah my my head and my neck and even my like upper back it was pretty evident there was still a lot of junk going on yeah so we did so I think that's where I started I started trying to just decrease some of the tension and um opened up some limb system I think in the upper extremity um, and I taught you how to do that on your own. And then, um, yeah, so all of that stuff in the cranium. So just to do a little bit of like, I guess my French osteopathy plug in here, when I put my hands on someone's head, like the way I position my 
fingers falls on certain cranial nerves. And so you have like, all the cranial nerves have Roman numerals. And um, so there's like cranial nerve V1, cranial nerve V2, cranial nerve V3. And then at the occipital ridge, there's um, a V1, V2, C1, and C2. And then we also focus on, so all of those things help to calm down the nervous system on the, from the cranial aspect on the, on the head. And then the other thing that I would talk to you about was the vagal nerve or the vagus nerve. And you know what? When I, I was researching a little bit when, to prep for this, and I have been working with the vagal nerve since, well, since I did the French osteopathy classes about five or six years ago. But I did not know where the name came from. And the vagal nerve is from Latin word to, of, to wander because it wanders so far. Like it wanders from the head down to, <laughs> down to the diaphragm, down to your viscera and your guts, right? Like it connects all this stuff. I was like, that's so cool. And that is. <laughs> that was my geek out. Um, yeah. <laughs> so um, one of the things that we worked with was trying to bring the your parasympathetic and sympathetic nervous system back into balance using um a vagal nerve exercise that i read about in a book called the polyvagal nerve theory and um and actually i just was looking at that again and found out i forgot one key thing for you so i'll tell you about that <laughs> i'm like oh this and actually maybe we did it the first time and then i forgot to have, to have you reinforce it but um the polyvagal nerve theory um, is um, a book that was written by a body worker who, um, he's American, but he lives in Denmark. <laughs> and, right? And um, he um, took the theory from another person, um, Stephen Porges, who basically said that, you know, our fight or flight, our fight or flight system and our rest and digest system works well to balance each other except when it doesn't of course right like a technology yeah. um the trouble comes because we get stuck in a stress state even after the dangerous past which is kind of where you are right like you were kind of in a chronic stress state and then over right. time um the fight or flight or the sympathetic system kind of takes over and that's where that person lives and we need to bring that down in order to kind of dampen that out and bring up the rest and digest the parasympathetic sympathetic system in order to kind of create a balance. So <clears throat> one of the things, exercises from the book that I had you do was to um, uh, lay on the ground. And this was the piece I wanted to reinforce. We, you were supposed to interlace the fingers on the belly button. Oh, okay. I think we didn't do that like super regularly. But then... Um, uh, usually I was holding in the occipital ridge and then you closed your eyes but looked left and you and then you tilted your head left yep. and then you held that until you got a change in your nervous system which is expressed either through a sigh or a huge breath in. And I think mm -hmm. the first time you got that, how long did we hold it? Like 30 seconds or 45 seconds or something? Maybe. It, yeah, um, we, we held it a little bit. But then I couldn't stop yawning for like two hours. It was the weirdest thing. <laughs> and I was like, I think that's good. Let's, let's go with it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> it was so weird for me. But uh, yeah, I don't know. <laughs> um, yeah, so and then I said, 
ultimately, like that's something that I think you should do pre-exercise, like pre your PT exercises to try to bring your nervous system a little bit um, out of that fight or flight mode um, to kind of be a better stepping off point for all the other exercises to, to work well. Yeah, you know, now that we're talking about it, I'm thinking back on it. And when we started working on it, I was struggling with, like, like I was really good for a minute, for, for you know, say, a couple weeks. And then, you know, you're mentioning these, um, you know, all the tension in my nervous system. Like, if that's there before you even go out to do an activity, you may not be able to do that activity well or perform well and now I look back on it it makes sense because I I would even just try to be commute you know try to commute to um to work to the bike lane and my commute is like five and a half miles it's not even that big but um I couldn't even push it up to like say 60 or 70 percent power um it just something was stopping me and I didn't know what it was so now looking back on it it makes a lot of sense it was your body's cap. It was saying, this is kind of yeah. what we can handle. And going beyond this, going into the great beyond may be, too, may be scary. <laughs> we, don't yeah. know if, we don't know how we can um, support you if you go past into the great beyond at this point. Right. That's, that's really wild looking back on that because I just, <laughs> you know, I wanted, you know, five and a half miles, I wanted to like sprint the whole time. <laughs> But, uh, it, yeah, it wasn't happening. Well, and to be fair, like, I do think um, for a majority of us, and definitely for athletes, um, they're, you know, they can train their brains to over, you know, they can train their bodies to push through a lot of stuff, right? Um, you can train your brain to kind of push through it and get the job done. And, uh that is good for a lot of things, but then there comes a, a point where I think there needs to be a reset, you know? There's got to be a point where everything gets kind of back to a reset so that you got, I guess you can do it all over again. But <laughs> so you yeah, can just keep yeah, the cycle right. going. But I think the most important thing is um, that we recognize, and I think now too, just, you know, people in general, I think are living most of the time in a state of more fight or flight. It's just become a chronic, it's become a habitual way of our bodies working through things. Um, so really, in all honesty, maybe a reset button is good for, for everybody, not just people who have been concussed five times. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yes, I, I highly recommend it in general. Not the concussions, but the reset. <laughs> but the reset button. Um, okay. So now of course I'm going to ask you, cause I like to ask all my guests, did you have any like super big aha moments during the sessions or, or yeah. you could, or you could say, well, I already told you all my aha moments. <laughs> right. No. Yeah, for sure. So, um, I mean, really it was just some of the, like the learning curves about my own body that were the aha moments for me. Um, I mean, when you went over the lymphatic system with me, uh, I mean, I'm kind of embarrassed to say I had no clue what that was before. And why would you? Um, Shows you how much, how great of an athlete I am. But uh, 
Yeah, it, so now I'm, like, working on that every morning, and I feel like that's made a big change. Mm-hmm. Um, but then um, uh, another moment was just, like, uh, kind of when we started to relieve, and we kind of went over this, but relieving those uh, heavily inflamed muscles in the upper back and neck, um, you, you don't, I, I never, you know, could tell that kind of thing was there until we worked on it, and now... I can always, I, I feel like an, I can always tell when that kind of stuff is flaring up again and I need to like do some light foam rolling or kind of just, you know, work some of it out myself, you know? Mm. So that was, um, yeah, for me, that was a big moment in kind of understanding some things that are going on that I couldn't see before. And, you know, honestly, I think um, sometimes when we, this is metaphorically speaking. Sometimes when we look in the mirror, we only see either what we expect to see or we see what we're we're kind of used to seeing, right? Um, my husband's grandmother said to me many years ago, <laughs> and I was in my young and in my early 20s, and I was like, what are you talking about? She said, sometimes I walk past a mirror in my hallway and I, I'm like, oh, who is that? Who is that old lady? <laughs> and I'm like, oh, that's me. Like, I don't, she's like, I always think of myself like 32, right? Like she's always in her mind, she has an image of what and who she is. But, and so in some ways doing this work and having um, an outside perspective, it allows you to not necessarily see or feel what you think you should, but actually what, what, what you're actually feeling, right? Like, hey, You know, I feel this and you're like, yeah, I, that's exactly what I feel too. And it gives your body a chance to pause. And maybe that's the connection too with the vagus nerve and kind of realigning the nervous system to kind of come down from fight or flight and running away from the saber tooth tiger. Um, it's that chance to say, no, I know it is there. And maybe there is something to paint, paint, giving us some attention, right? Like you were saying, now, you know, when you kind of get to that point and you take some action for it. Right. At least that's what I hope you're really doing and not just saying in this podcast. (laughs) (laughs) No, I've definitely gotten better at it. So, okay. Well, thank you for taking the time to uh, talk to us about your uh, myriad of experiences. And I will probably see you next week in person. Heck yeah. So look forward to it. (laughs) All right. Take care. All right. Later. All right. Bye-bye.